Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And our special guests today, and I say it with an S, is Val Haas and her daughter Maddie. What we're going to do today is really talk about the gifts of welcoming a child into a family. You know, we live in a world now where infanticide is now the the hot button topic because people think we can kill babies once they're born. So I don't think people doubt that, you know, it's a baby inside of a mother's womb, but the choice that they make will affect us for our lives and it affects everybody. It's a, there's a ripple effect. So I want to have uh, Maddie kind of start off with her story and then we'll go into you know, the joys of having a child and, and what we would have missed had we not said yes. Welcome, Maddie. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. You're not um, just saying that, are you? No. Okay, I'm great. Not. I believe you. Um, so I guess I'll just start. I was a freshman at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln, um, had kind of just moved in, and there were some, I mean, I was pretty emotional, I guess you could say. Um, I was calling home a lot, um, crying that I wanted to transfer home, didn't want to go to school there, which didn't make any sense to me because I knew the moment that I toured there that I wanted to be there. Um, I had a boyfriend, but he was back here in Colorado, still a senior in high school. I was a grade older than him. Um, We met my senior year, so when he was a junior, um, and we're still in a relationship my freshman year when I was out there. And um, there was just like one week and weekend where I just kind of felt off. Um, it was in October. Um, and up to that point, nothing had really led me to believe I could be pregnant. Um, I wasn't gaining any weight. I wasn't no morning sickness, um, nothing like that. There were really no signs to anybody around me who would have thought even that I could have been. Um, But one night I just kind of felt like, well, maybe I should take a pregnancy test, see what's going on. Um, And I did, and it came back um, positive. So what was your reaction at that moment? Um, Oh, crap. And 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 how am I going to tell mom and dad? Exactly. I thought about my parents. And actually, another one of my first thoughts, um, my senior year I had a soccer coach who um, one day at practice we were kind of messing around talking about how we all watch Teen Mom, you know, on MTV and everything. And my soccer coach even said to me, she's like, Maddie, you would be the last person that I would expect to become pregnant. Um, She knew I came from a Catholic family, went to church every Sunday. Um, She knew that we were very pro-life, everything. Um, So she actually was one of the first people, too, that jumped into my head of, like, Maddie, you're the last person I would ever expect to become pregnant. So it was like, okay, what do I, how do I tell my parents? Do I tell my parents at all? Because quite honestly, for being so pro-life, the thought of abortion came into my head. I was going to ask you if that, one yeah. minute. Okay. It definitely came into my head of like, well, I could do this and no one in my family would even have to know that I was ever even pregnant. Um, And quite honestly, I wouldn't even have to tell her dad if I didn't want to. Um, Be your secret. Exactly. Right. Um, So that did pop into my head a little bit, which while I was thinking it, it did kind of scare me. Like, how am I thinking about that? I'm very pro-life. I 
I have gone to the March for Life in Washington, D.C. I've done the Denver March for Life. I've prayed outside Planned Parenthood, everything. But now it's real. Exactly. Um, And nothing can really prepare you no matter how pro-life you are or how Catholic you are for if you get in that moment. Right. Get that situation. Yes. So the next day I had a friend take me to a crisis pregnancy center in Lincoln. Um, I had actually seen the flyer up on one of the bulletin boards and I was moving in in August. And so I remembered it was there, found the number, um, went in. And the counselor that I was with kind of just asked me all the questions like, you know, when do you think this happened? What are your symptoms? All that kind of stuff. And she had me take another test, came back positive, and they wanted me to come back like the next week or two just for like a follow-up appointment. And something inside me asked, can I get an ultrasound? And they said, well, you know, for how early on you probably are, it wouldn't make much sense. You won't be able to see anything. And I just kept asking, can I have an ultrasound? Please give me an ultrasound. So they actually ended up keeping the clinic open later for me that day the nurse did an ultrasound on me and it was like the minute she didn't even set the probe on it kind of fell out of her hands and the minute it landed on my stomach boom baby and they did measured the head and everything and by what they saw I was 19 weeks and six days long already and so you were, I was and you halfway were, and, through my pregnancy and you were and you point. were thinking wow this just yeah. Yes. Okay. So quite honestly, at that point, my question went from like, do I tell my parents to how do I tell them? It was the moment I saw my baby on the ultrasound. And their grandbaby. Yes. And heard the heartbeat and saw the heart beating and even just like the nurse's reaction and the counselor's reaction and everything. I just knew, okay, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep this pregnancy, how do I tell my parents? So let's jump ahead to telling mom and pop. So, um, you know, something we all love getting that phone call. So actually I was going to plan on coming home. I think it was like the next week was fall break, which my family and I made a deal. You're not coming home for fall break because I'd already been home so many times so far. And they're like, you need to stay out there, make friends, do something. So I was planning on, I was like, I'm just going to go home for fall break. I talked to my boyfriend at the time. I was like, let's just hold off. So he knows. I told him okay. at this point. And at first he was super supportive and then kind of started wavering after a few days. And I told him, let's wait till I get home. We can sit our parents down and tell them together in person. Okay, okay, sounds good. And then a few days went by and he was texting me, I feel so alone. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, you feel alone. I'm in Nebraska, 500 miles away from my family, but okay. So I was like, please don't. Like, let's Guys just are such wimps, aren't they? They really are. I know, I know. Sometimes I have to look in the mirror really every day. <laughs> so he ends up telling his mom, and his mom actually called me. And essentially what came of the conversation was, this is all your fault, you have ruined so many relationships because of this and have you told your parents and well no support there yeah none and so i said no the plan was for me to come home and us to tell you guys all in person together and she said well that's not going to work that's too long you need to tell your mom by wednesday otherwise i will tell her and at this point it was a monday night so i'm like so i essentially have one day to call my mom 
and tell her this huge news. How long did you practice what you were going to say? Oh, my gosh. Literally from the moment (laughs) I hung up with her. And my mom knew it was coming because I texted her and said, are you available to talk tomorrow? So let's get mom on real quick. So did you know, did you have a suspicion what this was going to be about? No, I thought we had been dealing with her since she went to college about her homesickness, missing her boyfriend. I just thought it was going to be, I need to transfer home. Okay. I want to come home for fall. So you're not ready for this? No. Okay. No, not at all. So how did you receive it? Well, the funny thing, not the funny thing, I guess the divine part of it is that I was at that time when it was called Lighthouse, now Marisol, I was a volunteer counselor. And so I was very No coincidences in life, right? right? Yeah. Right. And I was very prepared to help women through this, just not my own daughter. But as soon as the Crisis Pregnancy Center in Lincoln found out that I was a counselor, they said, call your mom. And so she had a hard time when I answered the phone. Of course, my husband was traveling out of town, so I'm at home by myself with my other small children. I would have liked to have been out of town when that happened, and then (laughs) you get the other phone call, yeah. Right. And so Maddie called, and the minute I answered, she started crying. And so I kept saying, is it your grades? Is it this? Is it that? And then finally something in just side of me just asked her, are you pregnant? And I just knew by her response that was it. Because she said no, no, no to everything else I asked. Right. When I asked Process of elimination. Nothing. So, yeah. (laughs) So once the shock wears off. Then what happens? So my mom was really good. She was just like, okay, find a ride, get home for fall break. She had like her five minutes on the phone to kind of freak out. It was like silent, yeah. but I knew that's, that's what a parent, she was doing. It's, it's a parent's right. Yes. So We've and then it. after that, she was extremely supportive. Um, find a ride to get home. I will call lighthouse and set up an appointment for us to go in there i will make an ob appointment for you because at this point i'm halfway through my pregnancy had no prenatal care right um so she was super supportive the second she actually called my dad and told him so i don't really know how that conversation went you 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 owe your mom big i know yeah um so i mean when i came home i got huge hugs from my mom my dad i have two younger sisters and a younger brother who at the time we didn't tell exactly what was going on, right. but the rest of them just really big hugs, f- so much support. I went to Lighthouse, got another ultrasound, um, talked to them about more options and resources. I had my first OB appointment. Um, I set up some meetings with Catholic Charities Adoption Services, actually met with um, someone through them who ended up giving me three or four profiles um, for potential adoptive families that I looked through. And then really I used this time and I got really deep into my faith. Um, Even after I went back to Nebraska, I would be walking back to my dorm from class and be walking by the Newman Center in the church and just find myself walking inside and just going to sit down inside. And it wasn't adoration, no mass, nothing, but just sitting in the church and not even praying, not really talking to God, just sitting there. And I would leave feeling a whole, so a whole sense of peace, just so peaceful. And um, I actually ended up, 
the night after I called my mom, I went to confession at the Newman Center and the priest was so amazing. I went, it was behind the screen and I just told him, I just found out I was pregnant and I could sense he leaned forward and he just said, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. And from that point on, like, I think twice a month I was meeting with him for spiritual direction before I moved back home in the winter. So I had him out there. My roommate was Catholic, and I told her right away after I told my family. She was so supportive. She came with me to the ultrasound where I found out that my baby was going to be a girl. Right. That's um, cool. Which was cool for her because she had never even seen an ultrasound like that before. Right. So everything really did just fall into place. I had spiritual direction out there, an amazing roommate who was Catholic. Back here I had my family um, after I moved home. I set up spiritual direction with a deacon at St. Thomas More, Deacon Steve Stemper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I met with him, I think it was once a week, like every Friday. Um, and then my mom and I went, just the two of us, and we kind of did our own little silent retreat almost. Um, it was down by Colorado Springs, and we just kind of like rented out a room for two nights, and we spent the whole weekend praying the rosary, going to Mass. We walked around the grounds one day praying the rosary, and I brought the adoption profiles with me. And at this point, I'm like 37 weeks, so not much time left to really figure out what I was going to do. And I just like looked through them all, and there was only one family really that I was like, okay, I think this could be the one, but I'm not 100% sure. And I remember the adoption agency woman told me, now, these people know that you're looking at their profiles, so their hopes are already kind of up. So really... Just a little more pressure. Right. And yeah. I'm like, so really, I don't want... The next step was meeting with them just to get to know each other. And I knew that I didn't want to set a meeting like that up unless I was 100% sure. Because obviously, if their hopes are already up and then you yeah, set then meeting up... Yeah, then, they're, then they think they're one step closer. Right. So right. We're, li- we're on Respect Life Radio, and our guests are Val Haas and her daughter Maddie. We've talked about uh, an unplanned pregnancy, you know, how, how you've notified people. Let's jump ahead to now you have a daughter who's how old? Like five? Just turned five. Just turned five. Mm-hmm. What I want to do is focus on the blessings that have come from this, you know, from I don't know what I'm going to do, I don't know how I'm going to mm-hmm. tell anybody, mm-hmm. to wow, had I not made this decision, I would have missed out on, you know, being called mommy for the first time, Mm -hmm. you know, getting a hug, you know, taking her to preschool, whatever those things are. I'd I'd like you and your mom to kind of talk about what are those blessings that come? And I know, Val, you came up, a ministry came out of this. So why don't you start with just from a grandmom's perspective, what are the blessings that you've had? Because obviously there's no adoption, Mm-hmm. She's part of your family. And what are those blessings? Uh, she's added a lot of joy and laughter to our home. Uh, one of one of the very good things is that, so I had three daughters, you know, boom, boom, boom. They're 23, 20, and 18. And then eight years later, I had a surprise son. Mm-hmm. And so he was always much younger than the, his siblings. And now with Ellie, it's like he has a little sister. So yeah. it, that's their relationship has been fun to watch and I'm glad they have each other. Um, So that's definitely been a blessing. It's been a blessing for my other two daughters that I think you can say you're pro-life and then the the choice people say, oh, you say that until, you know, something. Until the rubber hits the road, right, yeah. Well, we've lived it. 
we've lived it and they've seen what it can do to a family. They can see the challenges and the pressures and things like that. And for instance, one of my daughters, um, she was a senior at a public high school and the, the paper um, for the school came out on this big article about Planned Parenthood and how wonderful they are and the resources they provide. Well, my daughter wrote a letter to the editor to the paper for the next edition about Lighthouse, now Marisol, and Catholic Charities and Alternatives Pregnancy Center, all the other options to Planned Parenthood. And they scrapped the first page article and put her letter on the front page of the paper. Oh, what a blessing that is. You know, both of them are really now very outspoken because they realize, you know, women who seek abortion are not monsters. They're so so scared. They're under such pressure. They don't have support. And your family's experienced that, right? That yes. moment of, oh my gosh, what do I do? Yes. Right. And so we just don't want to see any woman suffer for years that she's aborted her child. You know, and so the ministry that's come out of this, we were so blessed. So many women run away from their church or they don't have their faith at a dark moment like this. Right. We ran to the church. The church is our family. We have to have God. When I when I hung up the phone, the first thing I did is I hit the floor on my knees and prayed for grace because I knew I could get through it right. without grace. Right. And so that's when Maddie came home, we told her, we are not going to tell you what to do. It's your decision. All we ask for is that you're in a state of grace, that you work on your relationship with Jesus so that you can hear his voice, so that you know his plan for you. Um, because now it's plan B. And it doesn't mean that plan B is going to be less than what plan A was, but you're not going to know what plan B is unless you get in a state of grace and you listen to them. Right. And so that's what we help, helped her do um, by setting up spiritual direction with Deacon Steve, reaching out different things in the church, Catholic charities, all the services available to her, going on this private retreat, going to adoration. Um, and so that's what I've designed with the help of Endow. It's now a program called Footprints through Endow. Any parish can um, implement it at their own parish. It's like an Endow group. It's a small group setting for women that are facing unplanned pregnancies to just maneuver that chaos and get back into a state of grace. There's opportunities for um, confession. Mm-hmm. Um, Father John Riley from the Augustine Institute is our chaplain. Oh, great. And he's amazing. And he is so supportive, and um, he will hear confessions. He helps set up private adoration services in the Augustine Institute chapel for these ladies. And when they're together and in a small group, and it's safe, and they can share, and they can maneuver it, um, the Sisters for Life edited it as well. They took a look at it, and they loved the program, and their input is in it as well. And so we just get them to a place where they can make that decision that we are walking with you, thus the name Footprints. We're walking with you, and we are going to be there from now beyond when the baby's born. So if somebody were interested in finding out more, would they just go on the Endow website? How do they best find that? They can go on the Endow website um, and look for Footprints. If they have more questions about it, they can call the Endow office, and then they put them in touch with me. Um, I have spoken at several parishes at their Respect Life meetings, and that has really worked well. And I'm willing to, if if there's anybody from any parish, you don't even have to be part of your Respect Life. If you know a young woman that needs this or you're interested in bringing it to your parish and you want more details, I'm happy to go and speak. Um, 
it's it's a wonderful program. Well, it sounds like, I mean, a great fruit that's come out of it. And how many people, when something happens to us, we think we're the only ones, right? right? Even though we know there's other people, you know, the evil one's telling us, you're the only one, keep it hidden, do this, do that, or the other thing, don't shine a light on it. And so by letting people know they're not alone, mm-hmm. People have navigated this many times over, and here's kind of how, how you do it. I would imagine, Maddie, that would have been helpful for you. I mean, it sounds like you got a lot of support, but had there been that in the Nebraska, University of Nebraska or wherever, yes. well, wow, I'm not alone, yes, probably would have definitely. made a difference, I would think. Yes, I would have definitely liked to program like that. Um, the Crisis Pregnancy Center was amazing. I still keep in touch with the nurse and the counselor from there. Um, but, yeah, definitely just like – I mean, that campus is so big. I couldn't have been the only person who was pregnant. No, but you feel like that at exactly. the time, don't you? Exactly. So and everybody's like looking that. at you like they already know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so just having a program like that, even on the campus like that, would have been amazing. So so Ellie's in your life. Can you imagine your life now had she not been in it? No. I don't even really know. Like, it's hard to remember my life and like what the happiness was, what was bringing me that happiness. I mean, I played soccer, so I met, like that's kind of what I think of when I think of life before this was like soccer. I spent a lot of time with my family. Um, in high school, I never really had like a consistent friend group. So I don't really think back on like friendships that I had or anything. Right. So now just, I'm like, I don't even know what I did before I had her. Um, I, like you said, like being called mommy the first time and, um, like her first day taking her to, oh my gosh, she was like in a toddler room at the preschool she went to. And just like, (laughs) it was like, the only reason I cried was because she walked in and just started playing. She wasn't like like clinging. So it was like she owned the place. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so that's the only reason I was like, Hey, what about like, come on, don't you want to spend time with me? Um, See you later, mom. Yeah, exactly. And um, just like she's she makes me tired and she's very sassy. But doesn't take does she take after you? Well, I don't think so. But my mom does. Yeah, I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing her finger point right now. So usually paybacks are hell is what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just like having like her little sassy comebacks or just some of the stuff she's starting to say, like, wow, mom, that's so interesting. I'm like. You're five. How do you know that's a word? So just little things like that. And then um, another thing, like I'm in nursing school now and I graduate this coming May. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So that's the other thing, too, with like all of this. The first few months, even year or two were really hard. But just I stuck to what I knew I always wanted to be a nurse. But really, I think after having Ellie and like being in the hospital when I was having her and the nurses that took care of me. And now I work at Children's Hospital Colorado here in Denver as a clinical assistant and being able to take care of those kids. Um, I think having her has instilled that passion of nursing, especially taking care of other, other people's kids. I think she's really instilled that in me having her so how you've kind of mentioned it but how important it was to have support from mom and dad oh amazing I don't know how I would have done it without them because 
I mean, she set up most of my OB appointments back here. She Moms love doing yes, that stuff, too. Yes, they really do. Yes. And I think um, my mom was really there for that kind of stuff, setting up those appointments and, like, going to them with me. And she was in the delivery room with me when I had Ellie. Um, and then my dad he wasn't there like as physically like that, but I mean like he was the first person standing at the door when I came in and gave me a hug. And he was the person who like in times I wouldn't expect it. Like, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Are are you doing okay? And he Every once in a while we surprise you guys. (laughs) Yes. And I've always had, I've been really close with my mom, but I think that and even being away at school made me closer to my dad. And he like, after the weekend I came home, right after we found out I was pregnant, he's the one who drove me back to Nebraska. And even though we didn't talk the whole way there, it was just nice having him in the car with me and driving right. me back to school and just being on the same page and knowing I had his support. He he didn't even have to tell me that he was supportive of me. I just knew it, you know? So I think, I don't think I would have been able to go through any of that or even still go through any of this and raise Ellie and be in nursing school and have a job and everything without my parents. I know I wouldn't be able to. Yeah. And to have her part of the family, the whole nucleus of the family living there. I mean, just, you know, what a joy that is. And you can see how many things a person would miss Mm -hmm. by choosing the other. Not only would you miss that, you'd have all the regret on top of it. I mean, you can just feel how that would weigh somebody down. I mean, for their whole lives, you know, they would need to go to confession. I mean, but even then, it's still there, right? Yeah. Even though you know you've been forgiven, yeah. to know that, what am I missing? And I think that's really the point. We have about a minute to go. Uh, I really want people to focus on the joy of choosing life, the joy of having that child. I, I know our grandson came in a similar way. Mm-hmm. And the other night, he spilled a glass of water at 3.30 in the middle of the bed. Mm-hmm. And so he was soaked, and my wife somehow comes unscathed. I'm soaked. Mm -hmm. And usually I get irritated, and I thought, you know what? He might not even be here. Mm -hmm. So it does temper our our angst Mm -hmm. when something screwy happens. But even then, now it's funny, right? Uh, And you think, geez, that wouldn't be there either. So just in the last 15, 20 seconds, what would you tell somebody who's struggling right now? What should they do? Just a couple things. Um, I think they should reach out to people that they trust to talk to and to help get them through. For me, it was spiritual direction, a priest and a deacon, even my family, and go to church, even if it just means sitting in the church. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't have to go to adoration, confession, just sit in the church, because even that brings a sense of peace. Well, Val and Maddie, thank you very much. It's been a great story. I love the conversation. Thank you. Thank you.